Door Guys. This is Davis. And Vinny. And it's Andres. And Sean. Oh, you didn't have a fake name this time? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I couldn't think of one today. <laughs> and the guy in the middle over there is Cincinnati Red Super fan, Josh Sneed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome, Such Josh. a pleasure to be here, boys. We're, we're very glad to have you. We've been looking forward to it, you know. I said it last week. We looked at the calendar and all these people come. We're like, oh, God, we got to get him. We got to get him. We got to get him. We saw you and I was like, oh, Josh should do it for sure. And then uh, you posted on Facebook. Uh, you asked, hey, do I get to do it when we're out there? And I was like, fuck, yeah. You just made it even easier. Because there's always that awkwardness of asking someone. I mean, you know, you know, maybe not someone like you that we've known for a while, but asking someone because you, you still never know how people are going to respond. And, you know, I wish everybody would ask us ahead of time if they could do the fucking podcast. I, w- I will say, though, the setup here with all of us, all five of us, and, and you got, there's like a, people can't tell, but there's like a good, what what would you say, this is 10 foot, 6, it's 10, 15 feet yeah. gap between us and them. And I feel like we're like appearing before the Senate Judiciary <laughs> Committee, <laughs> right? Like all three of us are like on trial with these two. <laughs> So please tell me, why did you make the decision to go over there? Um, I've been told not to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anything, for sure, someone's on trial, and the other two are the lawyers. So, <laughs> yeah, that looks about right. Yeah, you're definitely not. <laughs> In a lawyer. fairness, there's probably a lot of stories where I would plead the fifth on. Anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, but you're the lawyer. He's the. Defendant. <laughs> oh, Andres definitely. <laughs> so, how did this get started? I'm gonna put, I'm gonna start with the question. Yeah, how, go for how it. How did this get started with you guys? Uh, well, during the pandemic, uh, we were just talking about your love of video games too. It was through uh, we played Call of Duty together. Um, Vinny and Sean didn't, but the, a lot of the other door guys did. On yeah, uh, we played the war, the Call of Duty Warzone. Yeah, and just being bored doing that. Uh, one of the other door guys, uh, the Scott who was doing sound tonight, he yep. won all this equipment. Just signed up for a contest, won it, and then one day uh, was like, "Hey, we should start a podcast." And so me and him kind of threw the idea around and just started doing it. Uh, kind of right before we opened back up from the pandemic, and we were like, uh, we were bored and wanted to keep comedy kind of going and we're not stand-ups and so we just kind of started doing that shit. that's awesome so, yeah but you you may not be stand-ups but you're i mean i would consider you guys experts i mean i oh, can yeah. tell you i can tell you that at least as far as i'm concerned and i would guess a lot of other comics that compliments from the sound guys the door guys the wait staff are mean more than a compliment from any audience uh member because you guys see all of it so it's it's way more flattering to hear stuff from from you guys because you're you're all jaded at this point. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you know what sure. I mean. I mean seriously. So I, I I'm, I'm thrilled that you would want to have me on. Thank you. Yeah, we've seen a lot of it, and a lot of it uh, <laughs> we don't uh, care to see again. But what? Know, There's you. no podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, with you, you know, you're one of those people that whenever I would work, I would make sure I'm in here every show that I'm working. Oh, man. I mean, just so I, because I was like, I know I've heard this before. I've, I've heard this. For you know, sure you have. Years, but I want to hear it again. Oh, man. You're, you're one of the super ones that I can listen to every time. I mean, there's some guys where, okay, I've heard the first bit and I'll drift out and I'll drift in and I'll go talk with Davis or we'll go do something else. But, you know, you're definitely one of the, the few people that's on that list of, I don't care what's going on. I'll sit in the back <laughs> of the showroom and watch the entire show. Thank you, and man. And then come back out. So. Oh, that's sweet. Here's a hug from 15 oh, feet away. <laughs> 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 
during uh, when we first, because we started this at my house, um, and after a while, uh, Colleen said we could do it up here in the showroom, and I, because of the pandemic and everything, I have like a 100-foot cord. I would sit in the back behind everybody who would sit up here. <laughs> it's like a socially <laughs> distanced yes, podcast. Yes. <laughs> That's was. hilarious. Yeah, like everybody was down here in a little group, and then Davis was way back there. So we actually recommend people listening sit six feet away from their speaker <laughs> just to be nice. extra safe. You never know what's going to come through. That's right. <laughs> yeah, this, this is then, awesome. And then we uh, then once we started opening back up, because you guys had you know staff on, and I know I was on, and yeah, the first couple were just us, and then yeah, we had you talk about medicine hat, and then a couple staff, and then you know we you had me on too. Yeah, Sean was on. Yeah, yeah. we did. <laughs> and then, uh, then once we started having, you know, and we did a bunch of local comics. Like we had an episode with Austin recently, yeah. and Nick Allen, and and Richard, and a bunch of other, you know, local comics. And then we were able to get a few guys that were coming through. Uh, and That's awesome. So it's been it's been a, a good little mix. The the Nick Allen episode was one of my proudest moments. Your your personal proudest moment? Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Is that when you browned out? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was the famous or infamous uh, just skip me moment. <laughs> he's halfway through his thing and he's like, just skip me. <laughs> <laughs> At least you knew, right? Or did I? <laughs> <laughs> you bring up Medicine Hat. Medicine Hat is the reason that I work at the Omaha Funny Bone. Really? Yeah. That's he was crazy. the first person to bring me. To the old club as his, as his opener, and that's how I that's how I got in. Wow! No yeah. shit. That's crazy because when we had Pete Lee on, and he told the story about getting in and his first time with Medicine Hat, and and I didn't know that he had ties to him, and I had no idea that you had ties to him either. Yeah. How, how did you get hooked up with him? To I worked with him in Columbus, Ohio, oh, okay. and then yeah, um, yeah. he uh, he said, uh, "You ever been to Omaha?" I mean, because he came. I mean, he went to a lot of clubs multiple times a year, but he was here like. <laughs> He was here like 11 times a year yeah. back in the day. You say he comes every six weeks, just like the visa bill. That's hilarious. <laughs> and uh, so he, br he brought me to the old club. And uh, still to this day, one of the shows with him at the old club was the craziest thing I've ever seen in a comedy club. Really? Yeah. What happened? Because I know there was some, we saw some pretty crazy stuff here, but at the old club, it was even crazier. Oh, my gosh. So... <laughs> This is a filthy story, but it's that's uh, what we love. I will never for I'll never forget it. It was the day that I believed in hypnosis, you know, <laughs> because uh, there was always part of you that was just like, oh. you know, how real is this, you know? And you, and then at some point, I think all of us that work w worked with him or any hypnotist, you know, or comedy club employees that worked hypnotist shows, at some point, you're like, all right, this is real. This is this has never happened before, and it oh, wouldn't. Yeah. Hell yeah. So he uh, he used to do this thing where if he had like a really hot girl on stage, uh, he would, you know, really make her a focal point of the show. <laughs> and then he would tell like her date. Look, you've been a good sport letting me, you know, do all these jokes with her and um, I'm going to I'm going to take care of you. You want me to take care of you? And, you know, of course, the guy would always be like, yeah. So there was this girl. <laughs> oh, my God. So she's up on stage by herself. She's the last one up there. Everybody else has been sent back to the audience. And he says, for the next three days, if anyone touches your forehead with their thumb, you will experience 
the most mind-blowing orgasm that you've ever had? And everybody's like, what? No, come on. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I'm going to show you. And he's like, he's like, you're going to be able to do this at home, but I'm going to show you. So he sits down next to her, and he puts his thumb on her forehead, and she just starts squirming. <laughs> and then she starts moaning. And then she starts screaming. And then her light-colored jeans completely flood and everyone <laughs> in the audience <laughs> okay <laughs> and every like guys are standing up like no no and i'm in the back like i'm like 25 you know i'm in the back like this is my one of my first weeks ever on the road i'm like this is the greatest job <laughs> like i couldn't it was the craziest thing to this day i've still ever seen it in a comedy club and i'll never forget it was just it was what she was wearing it just the lighting, like everyone saw it, and it was insane. Yeah, <laughs> he's told that story on stage before. Oh yeah, and and chicks pissing their pants during a show was pretty commonplace. Yeah, I, I've seen that multiple times. Yeah, because you were right up against the stage. Yeah, so you would have seen it. Yeah, and I remember one time there was this just homely, ugly girl on stage, and. He got her to pee her pants, and then, you know, they were doing something, and she comes up and, and says, um, my dad hates it when I snowball him. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> was like, I, that was the spelling bee bit. Yeah. That was the spelling bee bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. She probably she spelled, said she snowball. spelled snowball. Yeah. yeah. And this word Do you was. remember that? I remember that episode. Oh, yeah. my God. And now I know the homely girl you were talking about. Yeah. And that's how she used it in a sentence? Yeah, yeah, because it was to spell a word, and then she spelled <laughs> snowball, and half like, all right. And then she's like, use it in a sentence. And she said, my dad hates it when I snowball him. <laughs> Oh my God, that's incredible <laughs> and terrible. <laughs> so, what did he do for her? What did he did he convince her I, not to? I, be I think it wasn't <laughs> anything sexual. When I, you wake up, stop. you will think you are a successful person. <laughs> <laughs> she was up there the whole time with the wet crotch. I mean, I I don't I don't recall the seeing the wet crotch, but that's because well, I was back in the sound booth. It was wet. It, it was you know. She peed a little bit. You know? <laughs> Were you up at the stage for that one? Watching, yeah, you yeah. know, like when I first started here, that's all I did. I was sitting yeah, right next to the all, stage, yeah. and yeah, I was the guy making sure people didn't fall off. Because that happened too. I remember. Oh, yeah. happened here. Yeah. Yep. That was like a big thing here that some lady fell on a table. Yeah. Some some lady or some guy, right? Uh, medicine. Had, I think there was a couple uh, different ones. I don't. That's think a different hypnotist that that happened for. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As after Hat died, there was a dude that jumped off the stage and messed up like his broke knee. His oh yeah, that's so, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there was another hypnotist uh, out of Toronto. Um, I'm trying to remember what his name was, but he was at my home club, Go Bananas, and and he was having a great show. And for whatever reason, the audience kind of started to turn on him, saying it, that it was fake. Uh oh. And he says, um, he goes, I don't ever do this, but I'm just to prove to you, because he's like, this show is going so well. He's like, just to prove to you guys this is real, I'm going to do this. So there was a girl on stage who was, I mean, she was probably like early 20s at the most, rail thin. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, all right, uh, he, he stands her up, and he, he, like, whispers something in her ear, and he, like, 
kind of shakes her head just a little bit to the side and she like firmed up and then he puts his hands on her shoulders and he kind of does the same thing and then like like you just see like her arms like firm up and then he does the same thing all the way down her body and then he has people someone come up and he lays her head on a chair like literally just her head the back of her head and then her the bottom of her feet on a chair and everything in between is just suspended and she's like this flat board across two chairs with just her feet and head nothing else on, on the, the chairs and then he took his shoes off and he stood on her stomach and she did not even buckle what the it was fuck? crazy that is crazy <laughs> and he and like the place of course lost their minds oh yeah how could but, you not yeah i mean they could never do something like that today with the way you know, people get sued and all oh, that yeah. stuff. But he stood on this this like hundred pound girl's stomach with just her head and feet under under a chair, and everything else was suspended. And she did not even feel. I mean, it's crazy. Wow. So speaking of speaking of people getting sued, we did have a third hypnotist that was here, not the one that the guy broke his leg, but a different one. And he tried to do this this kind of bit. With her stiff as a board, but he would bring us. Uh, so for people at home, when we do a hypnotist show, a couple door guys are at the front to make sure people don't fall off the stage. He would bring us up there to hold the person instead of chairs. We were supposed to hold whatever person he chose so they could be big, small, whatever, to do this stiff as a board thing. And one of the door guys would be on one side, one the other to have her do that. And it was so like... Uh, a, a liability because I like I don't know who I can fucking pick up, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so uh, it was very nerve wracking for us. I'm sure, you know, because we don't, you don't want to be implicated. What, fuck, <laughs> right? what was this a local? Yes. Guy? Okay, yes. you know who it was. Yep. Uh, but and then he did it one time when like the, it was like just huge dude. Like, yeah, like a six yes, foot no. three, like gigantic. One was dude. a really big lady, and one was a really big dude. Yeah, and, and I, I was like, dude, I'm struggling holding this person up. Yeah. Like, I'm gonna I, drop. I them. was like, I'm glad I'm in the back, and I don't have to do this shit. <laughs> oh my god. Well, and he just wasn't very aware, and he, he'd turn his back on him a lot while he was doing stuff. While while like they were actually doing stuff on stage, he would turn his back, you know, to keep the keep him going deeper or however it works and so he wasn't paying attention to him and they're doing all kinds of crazy shit and does does that guy do open mics now uh, what, I, what's <laughs> I recently asked colleen about him she says she has no idea what the fuck he's doing how do you practice hypnotism in like a five minute quick set like a <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i was in shreveport one time with a hypnotist and it was a three show saturday and on the third, the third show, he tried to get this this uh, this group of audience members to do something, but he had forgotten he hadn't put them under yet. <laughs> and he just starts getting mad that they won't do anything. And somebody's like, "You didn't hypnotize them yet," and it, you know, because like that happens to comics that on those three show nights, like you forget, like if I already. You've already done the joke twice. Sure, and right. you're like, have I already done that this set? And you can you find yourself repeating stuff or leaving stuff out because you feel like you already said it. But it was funny. You forgot to hypnotize him. <laughs> and then he was pissed that they weren't doing it. We did have a guy here. I wasn't working this show, and I think one of the kitchen guys got pulled out to be a door guy up front. I think it was Ty Ingram. And a guy from the crowd got mad. That uh, so this guy and I think it was a bit stolen from Medicine Hat where he would make um 
uh, in the early part when they're hypnotized, the guys would have a female uh, genitalia and dudes would have. Oh, right. And so this guy came out of the crowd to go up on stage, which all hypnotists, I feel like, tell people don't come up here and grab them off stage because they're hypnotized. Still. Yeah. They can hurt this them. guy went up there because he was pissed that his lady was jerking her dick off <laughs> <laughs> that she didn't have. <laughs> her imaginary dick. And he was real fucking mad to where we had to, like, get him out there. And I think we finally got the girl off stage, not hypnotized anymore. And, I mean... The door guys were were telling him out there, um, you know, she really doesn't have a dick. You know, you guys are disgusting. I can't believe you do this here. And we're like, I don't, I don't know how to explain this to you, man. But it's all entertainment. Ricky Kalman used to do a bit that always made me laugh when he hypnotized people, where he had like a stack of napkins and he told them they were hundred dollar bills, and if they did something, he'd give them money. You know? Nice. That's great. And then he would he just had this like giant stack of napkins and he'd be like, Here you go. And they'd be like <laughs> stuffing it. Like, oh, I, can't, I can't believe he gave me money. It was, oh, it's so great. It's those shows. I mean, you talk about like not wanting to leave the room. Oh yeah. That the hypnotists that do it well, those are the shows where you don't want to miss a minute because every single one's gonna be different. Oh yeah. Every you never and that's what people kept like. Well, the, he always does the same stuff. I'm like, well, yes, he may do the same bits, but you get different people up there doing different reactions. You 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 never know what you're gonna see, and you, it's never the same show. Yeah, and so yeah, I, it, it was always always a, a crapshoot, as Medicine How would say. Sometimes you roll the dice. Sometimes it comes up seven. Sometimes it comes up snake eyes. <laughs> it's hilarious. I did not know that you had quite the. Uh, uh, background in uh, hypnotist shows. Oh, I mean, at some point you just work with everything, you know. Yeah, guitars, puppets. I mean, like, it, <laughs> I've I've worked with all of them at this point. So what? Let me ask you this: Like, what comics for for you guys are the comics that like you won't you won't leave the room when they're on stage because you're worried you might miss something good? Ian Bag is one for Absolutely. me, Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely, it's a great one. He's definitely a, a powerhouse for sure, because you never know what his sh- what he's going to do. Either. Yeah, it's that's never the same show twice. That's a great one. Him and yeah. him and Russ Maneve are kind of in a league of their own of just like wind. The material just goes out the window. It's all about right. that crowd. Right. There's a couple that pop in my mind. Uh, 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 Augie Smith is one for Augie's sure. Augie's great. Yeah. And uh, Chris Porter. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say Chris Porter. Are good. You know, just again, same with you. I've I've heard it, you know, hundred times, but I want to hear it again. And then when you guys come through, it took me a while when I first started. I, I think it happened with you because you came through and you were doing like your early stuff and you had your your early CD out. The <laughs> shout out to my peeps. Oh my god, that was a you, century yeah. ago. And then and then you came back like after you had that CD out, and then you didn't do like any of those jokes, and I, and I was still relatively new. I was like. Where's all the stuff that I heard before? I want to hear that again. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, that took me. A while. I was like, oh no, he's doing new stuff. And then that's the whole point. That's and how I know how long ago it was. Is yeah. that I had new material when I came back here. <laughs> <laughs> now it's like a surprise. Like, oh my god, I've actually never heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> What's gotten into Josh lately? <laughs> he's writing. He's writing. No, must have been bored during COVID. I was very bored during COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the special that uh, Hedberg was on the f- on the first part of it? Yeah, shout that out to my peeps. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, I was just thinking about that the other day that that w- that was on there. There's a guy um, 
Jeff Siegel, he's doing, he's working on a, a Mitch documentary. Oh, and, really? And I got to, I got to watch a little bit of it. And, uh, in my conversation with him leading leading up to getting to watch the little bit he's got done, uh, we talked about that CD and, and how that came to be that he recorded that intro for me on it. And it sucked because, I, I mean, I would have used that for the rest of my career on every album, but he passed away. And so I just felt, I, I felt like, especially when they were getting released by, like, Comedy Central or something, I didn't have, he wasn't around to ask if it was still cool to use it because at that time it was like, Who's going to hear this? Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he would have just knowing him and how nice he was. Um, but yeah, the, the story behind that was uh, I was working with Mitch about once a month. He would just call and he'd say like, what club are you trying to get into that you just can't get on the phone or you can't get a chance at? And I would just be like, I don't know, like Atlanta or Seattle. I mean, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. Eventually. And he would call me back like a half hour later and he's like, all right, we're going to Houston and, and um, I'll get you in there. That's I mean, awesome. That's, I mean, it was insane because he's my favorite comic and he was helping me. <clears throat> and so he, he had us booked in Nashville. And the week before I was, I was opening for Ron White on his final club date that he did before he was only doing theaters. And it was in Chattanooga and it was um, two shows Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three shows Saturday, two shows on Sunday. He had Damn. sold them all out, but he kept the week because he had booked it before he, you know, kind of blew up overnight in a weird way for as long as he'd been doing it. Right. And so um, my manager that managed Ron said, you should record your CD in Chattanooga because you're going to have like really hot crowds for like nine shows. <laughs> you know? You'll have a little bit of material. Yeah. So he's like record there. It'll sound the same, but you know, you over the course of the week, you'll have enough. So I set up to record there. And the MC that week was this local guy named cousin Ricky. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he, had, he was super funny, but he had the, like, he sounded like you would assume some guy that goes by cousin Ricky would sound. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would, I would go back and listen to him and I was just trying to find one that sounded okay. Cause I was really happy with the sets, but every single set started with. And now, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for your And I was like, dude, I cannot use this. And so the very next week, I was in Nashville with Mitch, and he was asking how it went. And I told him, I was like, it was great. Except, you know, I just don't know what I'm going to do about this intro. And he's like, I'll record it for you. I was like, what? He's like, you still got your equipment? I was like, yeah, it's in the car. He's like, I'll record it for you. So I brought my recording equipment into the green room in Nashville and he he's like I was like, Do you like is what are you gonna say? He's like, I'll think of something. <laughs> 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 and so it, it was that that's the first that was the first take. He's like, Hey everybody, it's Mitch Hebert. Sit back, relax, grab a drink, and listen to the stylings of my favorite, Josh Sneed. And that was the intro for my album. Nice. And it was like I was on cloud nine, you oh. know I mean? It was just like, who, I mean, and to still have it and be able to listen to it when I want to, but like, I mean, that was Mitch. He would, he would even offer to do that. That's, That's awesome. The King. He's the best man. Did you guys ever get to see him live? I, Any of you? No, I don't no, think no. he was here ever. 
Oh, I mean, man. not live, live, but you know, live on YouTube. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? He um, he was just like I don't know. See, the 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 only it's not even a downside, but like one of the things about working with him is that his like cadence was so like noticeable and addictive that you start right talking <laughs> like him and you start writing like him when you're with when you were with him. And so I would write these jokes and I'd be like, I'd be like, Mitch, I wrote a joke for you. And, and he'd be like, Josh, that's your joke. I can't do, I can't do that joke. That's your joke. And I'm like, but it doesn't make sense if I do it. Cause it's like a weird pun one liner, you know? Yeah. And he's like, man, that's funny. You need to do it, but I can't, I can't do it. It's your joke. And I was like, all right, well then I guess just nobody will do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we were in Atlanta one night and he goes, uh, it's like halfway through his act. He's like, Josh, are you still in here? And and he was one for me. I would never miss a, a second of right. him on stage. And I was like, yeah, I'm back here. He's like, y'all remember Josh? Well, he wrote jokes for me, and he won't do them. He thinks I should do them, but they're his jokes. So I'm going to have him come back up here and have him do the jokes that he wrote for me. And he's like, you guys want to hear that? And I was like, what? This uh-huh. is like never happened before. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, come on back up here, Josh. And so I went up on stage and I was like, well, I wrote these jokes for Mitch. So if I'm going to do them, I'm going to do them as Mitch. And I like grabbed the microphone. I closed my eyes. <laughs> and I was like, looked down, I was like, oh, yeah. yeah okay. All right. <laughs> Getting the character. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I remember one of them was like, I told my friend I had butterflies in my stomach. He thought I was nervous. But I had actually fallen asleep at a picnic <laughs> with my mouth open. <laughs> and the place like lost it. And so I did like four of them and then got off stage. And then from that night on, every time we worked together, he'd have me come up and do the jokes that I wrote for him <laughs> as him. That's awesome. I mean, it was like, he was, just, I mean, he was the best. He's everything you would hope Mitch Hedberg would be. And so like, I, especially at that time, like I had never had any way to repay him for like all of the cool things he did for me. So one day, if you're familiar with his material, he had all these jokes about koalas. He loved koala bears. Uh-huh. And he was like, my apartment has a koala infestation. It's the cutest infestation ever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and so I went to, I was at the mall in some city we were in and um, I walked past the build a bear and they had like all these different animals and they had a koala and I was like, Oh, this will be fun. So I go into the, uh, I go into the build a bear and they have this thing where you can record your own voice and like put it in their paw so that when you press it, it says something. Uh-huh. And so I made a koala bear and I, I had it as like the koala was like, Mitch doing his jokes. Like, <laughs> I love this koala bear. He's so cute. You know? And so I gave it to him. I was like, I know this is dumb, but like, this is just like my little thank you to you. And him and him and Lynn loved it. And they named it Quacky. And when they would go on the road, they would, they would use it to like order room service and blame it on Quacky. Like, <laughs> like, where'd all this food come from? Quacky, you did this. Well, we can't let it go to waste. We better eat it. You know, so if you look at his uh Mitch Altogether CD from Comedy Central and the liner notes, it says, Josh Sneed, thank you for Quacky. That's it's the koala bear that I made for him. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Huh. I'll have to we'll have to check that out. Yeah, he's the best. Speaking of uh, comics that we've lost, ha- did you ever work with Ralphie May? 
I didn't. No. There's a couple guys that I I always wanted to, but I never got to. Ralphie May, John Panette was another one. Yeah. Uh, Richard Jenny was another one that I was just like either wanted to like meet or or somehow work with, and I never yeah. got to. But um, I I talked to Ralphie weirdly twice in Tampa on the radio because like he. <laughs> There's a big rate, kind of like a Todd Tyler. There's a guy there that's like, he like owns the city when it comes to morning radio. And that's the show you go on. And he, him and Ralphie were really tight. And Ralphie would, would call in a lot of times, even if he wasn't coming to Tampa, he would just call into the show while I was there. Right. And he was like, anytime my name came up, you know, he was just like, oh man, he's so funny. I like that guy a lot, Josh Sneed. And I was just like, it's, it's kind of surreal, <laughs> you know, but I've always heard just the sweetest things about him. You know, I, I was really impressed with Ralphie. Um, I only worked with him once. And the, the time he was here, um, you know, there were some comics working with him and he was just, giving so much guidance to the young comics and things like that. It yeah. was, it was awesome. That's it's important. I mean, I was a sponge and I got, I, I just, I came up in such a, like a great time for a lot of the greats to just be in the clubs. You know what I mean? Like I was mm -hmm. featuring when like Bill Burr and Gaffigan and Greg Giraldo and, you know, say what you want about him, Louis CK and Hedberg and Attell and Patrice O'Neill and you know what I mean? Like all these like just like legends. That's a big list of heavy hitters right there. Yeah. And then like, you know, I was very blessed in Cincinnati to kind of have my pick of the litter when it came to shows as a as an MC or as a local feature that I just I would just cherry pick like all these guys that I that I just like idolized. And um and they were all very gracious with their time and ask, answering the same questions that you know, comics ask me now once in a while, <laughs> <clears throat> but it was like, you know, like I would hear, you know, Carl LeBeau rest in peace. Like he yeah. would, he would tell these stories about Sam Kinison and I like, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around Sam Kinison ever not being a giant celebrity. Like I couldn't, right. I couldn't picture him as just like a headliner in a comedy club. Regular dude. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because I would hear these stories and I would just be like, what? Like that's, crazy and then now it's funny because like younger comics are like what like you worked with mitch <laughs> like, like now i'm the dude that's like yeah he was just a, he was just a comic you know just a dude on the road I, f I went wherever he asked me to go and now everybody all the young guys know him as the the powerhouse yeah this is one well, of the that's who got me into comedy like when i was a little kid i had a comedy central blend like the premium it, blend, yeah, 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 yeah. His, his his set. I'm like, I would always watch it when it was on, and like that kind of got me into like, starting uh, yeah. like getting into comedy and watching all these different guys. Yeah, I I still had my day job at the time, and um, when Mitch did the Montreal Comedy Festival, Time Magazine had sent a writer there to do a story on Montreal, and the, like I think it was like the year before Seinfeld had gone off the air. So the the premise of this article was like, will I find the next Seinfeld here? And he profiled all of these comedians who were playing at Montreal, and um, and Mitch was the one he said he's he's going to be the next Seinfeld. Not that he compared them, but just like sure, he's the next big thing in comedy. 
And so someone at, at the at my day job that knew I was like just starting out in stand up, they were like, Hey, I thought you might like to read this. And I was reading about him and I read the first joke I ever read of Mitch's was uh I like tennis, but the thing that's depressing about tennis is no matter how good I get, I'll never be as good as a wall. And when I read that, I was like, that is maybe the funniest thing I've ever read. He's like, I played a wall once. It was relentless. And, uh, and I was like, and grow, before I did comedy, Stephen Wright was kind of like my, like Stephen Wright, Cosby. Wright. Oh, yeah. There was like a handful of guys. But like Stephen Wright, I love the one sentence wordplay yep. pun. And so like I get introduced to Mitch and I was just like, this is my guy. Like this is Stephen Wright of like my generation. Right. And so the guy that ran the comedy club and go bananas brought me and he's like, Hey, I'm thinking about bringing this dude to the comedy club. And he showed me Mitch's comic strip live set. And I was like, please, 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 please let me MC this week. I really want to MC this week. So he gave me the week and, um, Mitch was on the road by himself. His wife wasn't with him. And we just had a blast all week. And then the next week I was booked to MC in Dayton, which is only like 45 minutes from Cincinnati. And the headliner that week canceled. And oh. they called Go Bananas and said, can you ask Mitch if he's booked next week? And if he's not, would he like to just come 45 minutes north and headline here? So that ended up being the case. And I got to work with him two, two weeks back to back. Badass. And we went to movies. We went bowling. Like we just, and and I love Lynn, but when she wasn't with him, he hung out with me a lot more often as one would, right. you know, they're obviously going to hang out with their wife if they're there, but yeah, yeah. for two straight weeks, like we did everything. And so, um, that was in like April or May of, of 99. And I remember that because they brought him back to go bananas for new year's Eve, 2000. Okay. And I still had my day job. I was an IT guy, and it was that whole Y2K thing where they were worried that, like, yep. computers around the world would shut down at midnight. So they let me leave to go host the shows, and then right at midnight, I had to go back to work till, like, 4 a.m. to just be on Finish call or bullshit. whatever. Yeah. But that night, Mitch said, I'm doing this show in North Dakota. Would do you want to come be on? It's called Mitch Hedberg and Friends. And I was like, yes. And it was <laughs> Valentine's Day of 2000. I took vacation from Procter and Gamble to fly to Minneapolis and hop in a van with Mitch and uh, Lynn. He flew up a guy from uh, Houston who played stand up bass. Oh, really? Shit. Yeah, he played he played bass on stage while Mitch in one in uh strategic grill locations. Mitch's first album. It's there's a stand up bass playing in the background while Mitch is doing his set. It's like wild. I mean, it's so <laughs> cool. Like it's just that's. Yeah, I feel like that would go with his cadence. Yeah, you know, very. And he like, pit, like the, well. the audience. You know, it's like right. And then the audience laughs, and he plays louder. Like, but don't, but don't, but don't, but don't. Just like <laughs> so, great. Chuck did such a great job of like pacing it. Are, so. are you comparing his uh, comedy to like scat? Like jazz, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the jokes between the jokes. <laughs> yeah, but I took day vacation days to go work with him, and um, everybody's like, "What you're going? Like we take vacation days to go to Florida, you know? And, <laughs> and you're going to North Dakota in February." 
And I was like, I'm going, I'll go wherever this dude asked me to go. And so that whole trip, He's like, call your boss and tell him you quit. I was like, Mitch, I can't quit my day job. Call him right now. I'm like, Mitch, it's three in the morning. Like, I can't call my boss and quit my corporate day job. <laughs> you need to quit that job. So I would use vacation days over the next year or so to um, to work with him randomly. <clears throat> and then in t- 2001, they announced some cutbacks, and my job was safe, but they offered packages to anybody that wanted to leave before they made any layoffs Mm -hmm. and so i was like if i'm gonna do it this is the time to do it you know i can get six months salary and benefits and that'll i could use that as my transition to try to hopefully get enough work to live off of of middling so i told my mom and and dad i I called my sister told her and then i called mitch i was like mitch i'm quitting my day job and he was like, that's awesome, man. I'm so proud of you. He's like, what's what's your first full week as a, as a professional comedian? I was like, it's going to be July uh, 15th because my last day was the 13th. Friday the 13th. I'll never forget the day. <laughs> my last day walking out of my day job. 2001. And he goes, uh, what, what club have you always wanted to work? And at the time, the Houston Laugh Stop was the number one club in the country. It's where, like, Dane Cook, Greg Giraldo, like all these guys recorded their albums at this club. And that's where Mitch had recorded his first album. I was like, I mean, the laugh stop is like, sounds pretty awesome. And he called me back a half hour later. He was like, your first full week as a comedian, where you're going with me to the Houston laugh stop. And so he took me to the best club in the country my first week as a full-time comedian. Nice. And then that's how it, that's how it started from there of just working with him and and then the last time I saw him, it was uh, he was on a tour for Comedy Central. It was him and Stephen Lynch. Okay, you guys remember Stephen Lynch, guitar guy, played real like a funny original like dark humor songs. Um, they were on tour together, and Al Madrigal was opening, who is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, he's, he's been here he a couple is. times. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was just the random opening act that nobody knew, and I was uh, I was touring with. Um, uh, Bill Ingvall at the time opening for him. You were? Yeah. And so uh, I, on one of our, uh, we had like two nights off and I went and did a college show with Stephen Lynch in Michigan. And he's like, what do you got next? I was like, I'm off tomorrow. And then I got to be back in Illinois with, um, with Bill Ingvall. He's like, I'm, he's like, you know, Mitch, right? And I was like, yeah, he's like, I'm doing a show with Mitch tomorrow night in um, Kalamazoo. He's like, you, why don't you come hang out with us? And I was like, yeah, that sounds like fun, you know? And so I went just to hang out, and uh, Mitch had me do a guest set, which is like at a at a 2,500-seat theater Damn. to just be like, That's why don't you crazy. go do five minutes? I was, <laughs> like, I couldn't even – like, nobody else would do that. No, no. You know? And so uh, so I did the set and hung out, and I said goodbye the next day, and that was the last time I saw him. And it was just completely random that I happened to see him that night. It was like two months later he was gone. Wow, on that crazy random guest set, twenty five hundred seat. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, like I could, and what you know, like there was like a slow deterioration, you know, that you could kind of see, but it would, right. it just was like it was Mitch, you know, and, right. Um, and I remember it was like April. It was right before April Fool's Day. It was like March thirtieth, and so that's why a lot of people didn't believe it when the news came out. They right. thought it was a joke for sure. But I was driving to a gig in Lexington. And uh, my manager called me and he said, um, 
have you heard anything about Mitch Hedberg? And I was like, no, why? And he goes, well, people are saying that he, he died. And I was like, really? I go, I, I mean, I've heard stuff, but I haven't heard that. And he says, uh, well, the club that he's booked at this week is calling around looking for someone to come work there. And I was like, man, I was like, that didn't sound good. I was like, I haven't heard anything. And I said, I'm going to call this woman, Kathy, at the Atlanta Punchline, who was real tight with him and I was really good friends with. I said, I'll see if she's heard anything. So I called, left her a voicemail, and I went on stage. And then I came off stage and I picked up my phone and I had 67 missed phone calls. Damn. And wow. I just like, I, as soon as I saw that, I knew. And so uh, I got on the phone with Kathy for my drive home and she told me what had happened. And I was just like, my God, man. I mean, it was just like, it was crazy. Like, you know, I mean, I hate to bring this thing down, but it's just, it makes you appreciate, no. like, it makes you appreciate your friends. Absolutely. But it also makes you, like, as a comic, like, it's just like, some of, some of these people, like, you just don't know how long you have them for. And it's right. just like, right. I, I've just ever since then, I just became a sponge of like any opportunity I had to work with somebody that I always wanted to work with. Like I took it because I didn't know if I'd get it again. Right. And you hate to think like that, but well, it, 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 it makes you not want to just sit around and do nothing for sure. So what did happen? I mean, how I mean, what did he die from? Just overdose. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. I mean, I, I thought it was drugs and, and yeah. drug related, but I wasn't. Yeah. And I got, you know, I got I don't I I still don't know if people would consider it preachy or whatever, but it's just like it, it affected me like nobody, you know, like I, anybody I'd ever lost. Like I didn't have that kind of reaction to. And I was like I was like mad more than anything. You know? Right. And I, like sure. I wrote this thing on my website and like I, I think it upset some people because I think they thought I was coming across as like preachy but i wasn't it was more just like look whether you know it or not there's like a lot of people out there that care about you and you need to know that because yeah. if there's something that's going to take you away from them before you're ready or they're ready then you got to get it fixed and it was just it was just a wake-up call for me like professionally and personally and maybe it was like the first time in my life that i really experienced like a loss of someone i was super close to not like some uncle that i'd never met or you know what i mean right and it was just like I don't know. It, it, it like affected me in a good way. As sad as I was, it like opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Sure. That, uh, and like I said, yeah. I don't mean to get too serious. No, no, not at all. Not at all. No, I was just, good uh, we had a new door guy tonight and he was taught. I asked him who his favorite comic was and he said, Norm. And you yeah, know, he kind of got somber in the conversation after that. Yeah. And I told him like, uh, the only thing that's kind of sucks about working here and it doesn't really is that we do, you lose a lot of people that you see come through, Yeah, you know, and, and like you said, it's just a random thing. You don't know who it's going to be or when, but it's just in this industry, it's kind of a thing that happens, you know, and it, and it does, it sucks. They're here one day, gone the next and yeah. you never see it coming, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and like you talk about like, um, you know, Sam Kinison, you know, like a guy who had all those demons for so long and he got clean. Yeah. And then he died right. in a car wreck got hit by it's a crazy. drunk driver right. yeah after he got sober you know robert schimmel same thing same like the thing, guy yeah. beats cancer twice yeah still maybe the funniest thing i've ever heard on conan o'brien <laughs> he uh <laughs> he, you know he had a sitcom he was like set his n album was number one on a major label not like a comedy label it was on like warner brothers music he's on the daily show he's on howard stern his fox tv show gets picked up and oh, then really? he gets cancer and it all goes away. 
And so the first time he was on TV after he got better, he went on Conan and uh, Conan's like, you know, uh, what's going on? And, uh, and Schimmel goes, I did it, man. I, I licked the big C and, and Conan was like, it's so great. And he goes, and I beat cancer. <laughs> <laughs> And Conan was like, I should have known. I should have known. <laughs> it was so funny. But he was another one. I, I had a chance to work with him. I took it instantly. You know, he came to Cincinnati. And um, it was really funny because I, I still had my day job at that time. And he was like, you want to go see a movie? And I was like, absolutely. So, <laughs> we, so we go to the movies and... Uh, and then it's over, and he's like, you want to sneak into another one? I was like, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched two movies, and I'm just like, this is so cool. You know, it's like I'm, like, brand new in comedy, and it's just to ha- be sitting next to him. I'm like, this is so cool. Yeah. So he goes, is it, he goes, I heard there's a hustler store in downtown Cincinnati. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's right downtown. He goes, can you drive me there? I was like, yeah. So he goes, I take him down to the hustler store, and uh, he buys the he buys this book, The Joys of Masturbation, by Ron Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, this story is gonna be so fun to tell people one day. And he gets in my car, and I'm driving him back to the hotel. And he um, he's like, Hey, I gotta make a phone call. I was like, Cool. And he's it's ringing, it's ringing. He goes, Stern, Schimmel, I just want to know, let you know, I bought you a book. I'm gonna drop it off to you next week when I see you in the studio. Just calling to say hi and i'm i'm driving i'm like he's talking to howard Howard stern in my car and it was just like the coolest thing and so he's asking me like what do you do i was like oh i'm an it guy for procter and gamble and he's like no kidding and uh so we exchanged aol instant messenger names oh shit remember aim (laughs) oh yeah and so uh randomly one night i get a message on aim from him and he's got a computer problem (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, can you help me? And so I get on the phone. So now I'm doing tech support, support for Robert, Robert Schimmel. <laughs> and then he, uh, and then after that, he started taking me out to middle for him. And uh, again, it was just one of those things where it's just like, you just never know. And you go with it and you ride it for as long as you can. But he, you know, he beats cancer twice. And then uh, in a car accident, somebody hits him. And it's just like, you never know. No, it's crazy. Well, and you know, same with you know, medicine hat. You know, he yeah, he was trying to get clean. He was wearing a heart monitor. Like I remember, he came here and he was wearing a heart monitor. He was wearing it for like a month. And uh, I, Jen, brought uh, my daughter up for a little while, and uh, and he goes, he goes, I'm I'm a monster, and she's like. I go, do you, do you believe him? And she shook her head no. And he's like, yeah, look it. He goes, I got six boobies. And he opened up his shirt and showed all these fucking <laughs> wires. <laughs> so she kind of stopped and slowly <laughs> backed away from him. <laughs> but then, awesome. you know, he, you know, he was trying to, you know, he had, you know, off and on he would, you know, cut back on drinking and, you know, never quit and, you know, cut back on smoking. And then, you know, he was trying to, change things up and then he has that fucking aneurysm in walmart man it's greg giraldo another one yeah yeah Yeah, that was another sudden one changed my my career i mean like like without a doubt one of the biggest like things that ever happened to me so i went to montreal in 2004 and like when you're a young comic like going to montreal is like the like 
it was the thing that could make you famous. We right? just talked about this last week with John Paul Morgan. Oh yeah, how big, so how big this Montreal festival yeah, is for? I saw John Canadians. Paul in Montreal that year. <laughs> um, so I'm at Montreal. I do okay, but I realized too late that I had a lot of jokes that referenced like American stereotypes that you would think you wouldn't think about wouldn't go over in Canada, but kind of did like a Jehovah's witness joke or something like that. Right. You know? And, um, and I corrected it all on my second show, but the first show was when all the industry was there and I didn't bomb, but I just didn't do like I thought I was going to do or am capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And it just was like, I just had this like vibe that like I messed up, you know, like I blew my chance or whatever. And so not too long after that, um, I get invited to this Comedy Central uh, comedy festival. It's in Miami, Florida, and it's the first one. Um, there's not going to be any industry there. It's just going to be a fun festival. It's And I looked at it as like a free trip to South Beach in February. Hell yeah. So, um, so I went into that with zero expectations, right, because I already knew – like the the people at Comedy Central who could help me. They liked me. That's why I was there. And so um, I'm on a show there that's an outdoor show that's free, which are two things that usually are a recipe for a terrible comedy show <laughs> outside and no one's paying to be there. But they had a really nice setup. It was in this like strip mall and they basically filled in the open space between the two sides of the strip mall okay, and had a really nice sound system and they fit like 2000 people in there Damn. and they were great. And it was me, Jessica Curson, uh, Brett Ernst, Sebastian Maniscalco. So he's on the free outdoor show. <laughs> who's now the top selling comedian in the whole right. world. Yeah. 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 Um, some really funny people. And I'm having a blast just being there hanging out. And so our free show is one thing, but then they have a theater. And, like, at one theater is the Chappelle cast. So it's, like, Donnell Rawlings, Bill Burr, and Charlie Murphy. And then uh, Greg Giraldo's at that theater a different night. And then uh, Dane Cook is at the arena. And um, Daniel Tosh is at the arena. Like, it was just a really cool event that had a couple different venues. And so I'm on the outdoor show and I come off stage and this girl's like, I need you to come with me right away. And I was like, is there something wrong? She's like, no, Greg Giraldo's playing down the street and he didn't know he was supposed to bring an opener. And I, we showed him the list of people on this show and he knows you. So he wants you to come just do 20 minutes in front of him. I was like, Oh, awesome. Ed, you worked with him before. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So I knew him at that point. And so I, we walked down there. He's like, dude, thank you so much. I was like, dude, I mean, of course, like, anytime and so i go i have a really good 20 minute set and then later that night is this big is the big comedy central party at this like hotel that they're having a red carpet and they want me and brett ernst to host the red carpet and talk to people as they show up nice so i have to leave like i didn't even get to watch greg's set i get taken to this we're walking to the hotel and the girl who's escorting me she gets a phone call she's like yeah he's right here he did oh he did yeah i'll tell him (laughs) and i'm like looking at what's going on and she hangs on the phone and she says doug herzog would like to talk to you at the party tonight doug herzog is the president of comedy central 
oh. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, he was at the show tonight, and he was there to see Greg, and he wants to meet you. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so we go to this after party, and I'm standing there talking to Todd Glass, who was there opening for David Spade. Nice dude. And then uh, he already knew Doug, and uh, Doug comes walking up. He says, hello, Todd. And he introduces himself to me. And he was like, I just wanted to tell you that I really enjoyed your set. He was like, uh, I actually called my wife after the show on my way here and told her your Victoria's Secret joke. He's like, I probably butchered it, but I thought it was really <laughs> funny. And I just wanted to meet you. And I'm just like flipping out internally, you know. Oh, for sure. And he walks away and Todd's like, well, it doesn't suck if that guy likes you. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks later, I got a half hour special on Comedy Central. But it was all, it all goes back to Greg giving me that chance. Right. And complete luck. That, that he was in the audience that night. And that he needed, was, that Greg it, needed an opener. Yeah. It and did. then that thing got me my Comedy Central record deal. And then that taking off is what kind of pushed me to headlining. And it was just like, I just, I look back to that night and it was Greg saying, hey, Josh will do it. Let's pick Josh. It's crazy. I mean, it's. Those it's, little moments, you know, that yeah. end up blowing up into, you know. Yeah. A million percent. Like. Having a Comedy Central special, like, you dream of that. Oh, right. Sure. Like, even right. before I did comedy, I would watch those specials where you could pick your own background. Yeah. And you would be like, man, if I ever had one, what would my background be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. And so I was always like, I'm, you know, I always have this, like, uh, I would, got detentions as a kid. I was in the detention club. Uh, it was like, oh, there was a, a club. Was a <laughs> I was a founding member of it. We, we were so bad in government class in high school that um, the teacher started pre-filling out slips with our name on it, so that all she had to do was write the date, write the date. to save time. And then it stayed so bad that she would hand us a detention slip as we walked into class. <laughs> and if we were good, we could give it back to her at the end of class to save her from having to walk it over to our desk. I feel like you guys were just keeping it real in government class. You were just yeah, trying sure. to be like the government, right? For sure. <laughs> well, I took it. So like Billy Madison was, um, it came out my senior year of high school. Oh. And as an 18 year old, watching a guy light a bag of dog poop on fire <laughs> so that someone has to stomp it out. Like I've never seen anything funnier than that oh, yeah. at that point in my life. And so uh, we're all talking about it in class. Moody magazine. Day. Yeah. Moody <laughs> magazine. That whole movie. <laughs> Great movie. But we tell Miss Jackson, we say, we're going to put that flaming bag of dog poop on your porch. <laughs> oh, and shit. she's like, no, you won't. She's like, I've had students like you for years. I had my name taken out of the phone book a long time ago. Good, <laughs> good luck finding my house. <laughs> well, my mom was president of the Board of Education. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she had a faculty and staff directory at our house. And Miss Jackson, her class before ours was in a different room. And a lot of times we would be sitting in our desks as she walked in. So the next day she walked in and her home address was written on the chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> she eventually figured out it was me. But yes, I was a founding <laughs> member of the, the detention club. club. And um, and so I had always dreamed of like if I got a special, I wanted to look like I was in detention. And I pictured this like classroom with a chalkboard and a, a teacher sitting at the desk and and, uh, you know, and it was empty, but I was at the board writing sentences. Yep. And so, um, when, when I got my special, like 
there were you know parts of the process and then they were like all right next part of the process uh have you thought about what you want <laughs> for your background? I was yeah. like, I know exactly what I want. <laughs> and like, that's like one of the like top three probably moments of 23 years of doing stand up is walking in to the Hudson theater in New York and seeing and it the, being a reality. The There's your that I envisioned. That's about so for awesome. Years. Yeah. yeah. Like see it built. Is, I mean, it still gives me goosebumps to this day, but like, that's awesome. There's nothing that can describe the feeling when you see that, and you're just like, "Good lord, like pinch me," yeah. or don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because Comedy Central. I mean, that was the thing back then. Yes. I mean, yeah, that's when it mattered. That or yeah, exactly <laughs> when it matters to that or like you know HBO Showtime and stuff like that. But they didn't do those very often. So no, yeah, I mean that that's how. Because I remember, you know, because we started here in 2004, and, and the big thing everybody was always proud of, you know, Comedy Central. I've got Comedy Central. Yeah. And like, if you don't have Comedy Central, then, you you know, you're not doing it. Right. Well, it was Premium Blend. You know, Premium True. Blend yeah. is the first time you saw Mitch, Mark Maron, David Tell, Bill Burr, Greg Giraldo, Louis C.K., Pablo Francisco, Gabriel Gl- I mean, that's everybody... That's if right. You got, no, if you right. got on premium blend, like you were like, that was the, the credit. Yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. And then after everybody had premium blend, uh, then it became a half hour special. Yep. You know? And, but like I was on season eight, I think. And like, by the time that I had done it, like John Heffron was doing his second one. Mark Marin was doing his second one. Paul F. Tompkins was doing his second one. Maria Bamford was doing her second one. So there was, there was a, a good handful of people that were on their second presents the year that I did mine. But then there was a lot of like, like looking back, it was really cool. Some of the people that were doing their first one, like Chelsea Handler, it was the first time anybody had really seen, seen her yeah. do stand up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what was, what was great was um, I was on the first night. So they did four a night and they had two audiences. Every audience saw two specials and they would rearrange the people in the front between the first and the second special. So John Heffron and I shared the same audience and um, it was the first night of the week. But at the end of the week, Amazing Jonathan was filming an hour special. Oh. And he was like <laughs> one of my all-time favorites. Oh, yeah. And so I stayed the Love whole him. week just to be able to see the Amazing Jonathan. And then I watched everybody's specials throughout the week wow, get tape recording. Oh, it was cool. so cool that'd be that badass so cool. yeah it was like finesse mitchell i mean who was already a friend of mine kyle grooms ian bag was on that season um bob marley um it was just not names now that you're just like oh cool, how cool was that and it yeah. was just like all of them were filmed in five days so did you only do a half an hour set? I mean, did you only get to do 30 minutes or did you do longer and they cut it up? They tell you to do longer, but Todd Glass had told me do 30. Yeah. Because if you leave it up to them to edit it, right. they don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. Because he had, and he had shown me examples of people where, like, they cut out a bit in the beginning that the guy calls back to at the end, and it doesn't make uh, sense. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? I like, the I audience is laughing, but everybody at home is like, I don't, what is that a joke about? I remember seeing something like that where, like, I feel like I missed something. And yeah. It's because of the magic editing we did. Yeah. So I, so I was told do, it was actually like 23 minutes. He was like, don't, don't do 30. Do, like, 25. Yeah. And then he was like, then they, they, have to they won't butcher it. Yeah. They'll have to use what they have. 
And it was really good advice. I don't know who I heard recently that was given the advice to comics who do a special um, to be involved in the editing because yeah. of this same situation that they'll cut things out where they don't understand, right? You know the whole what's going on, and so they'll cut something out that you're like, no, that needs to be in the special. You yeah, know? for sure. Or or like, um, you know, like if you're doing a long set. There's certain jokes that you can't do as soon as you go on stage. Right. You have to build up like some credit with the audience before sure. they let you get away with saying certain things. So if you take that out and try to put it at the beginning, yeah. if you're if you're watching it at home, even if people in the show are laughing, you're like, that's a right. He goes right in. You're right. still, no, you're still an built audience up to at that, home, really. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're still that audience member at home that. Is still experiencing it the same way you would if you were there. Right. So that's why it has to be done in the order that you want it to be done. That's right. Well, you mentioned Louis C.K. earlier, and I feel when he was here, uh, how he, it, it's a whole story that weaves its, you know, like, and everything goes together, but you have to see all of it. You can't just see pieces of it. And right. It won't make sense. Right. And you'll be like, oh, this guy's a fucking asshole. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you might feel like that anyway, right. Right. You know, depending on where you get your news. Right. But, uh, <laughs> and some of it is true. I mean, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I mean, Bill Cosby was like the first stand up I ever saw. He he ultimately probably influenced me more than anyone just in terms of like, I'd never seen this before that someone could be on stage by themselves telling stories, you yeah. know, and um. And so, like, it's it's weird to tell people that, like, a serial rapist made you, <laughs> made you do what you want to, you know what I mean? Like, influenced you to do what you do for a living. But you can't go back in time and change that. You no. know, it doesn't take away from the fact that he was an amazing comedian. Yeah. Right. But he's also a creep. Yeah. You know, or, or worse. Um, so do you, so did you build your, your delivery in the way that you deliver your material? Is that a lot of Cosby and Mitch because you kind of have that slow yeah. paced delivery and, you know, and yeah. always, always have, it's not like, you know, you just decided to start doing that one day. Yeah. I don't know that it's on purpose, but I, I think like, I just as someone who's like critiqued my act more than anybody else over the <laughs> years, like, I think if you, if you know the people that I'm talking about, when I tell you who my influences were, you can see, the storytelling of Stephen Wright and Ron White. You can hear yeah. the wordplay of um, Stephen Wright and um, Hedberg. And, yeah. you know, you can hear the observations of Jake Johansson and Jerry Seinfeld. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's all, they're all in there somewhere. But, you know, like you were talking about, like, Louis, you know, seamlessness. And like, that's something that I've always tried to do. And I feel like I've gotten better at it over the years of it, it's been in, in the last few years, but it's pretty regular now that people will come up to me after a show and say, man, it's like you were just up there talking. It's like you were just a <laughs> dude at my house on the couch, like just talking, yeah. you know, and that's what I want. I don't want it to be like, okay, that's the end of this joke in the beginning of the next joke. Like I always right. have tried to spend as much on segues and having bits go in the right order where it just one kind of leads into the next at, at the end. It feels like a 45 minute story versus like 45 minutes worth of three to four minute bits. Right. You know, and that's like purposeful for me because I like that aspect of just being like, yeah, yeah this is just like one long story. Yeah. And then that's why, you know, 
That's why I'm such a fan. Oh, man, you're too sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are huge yeah. fans of you, Josh. Oh. <laughs> That's uh, I was telling Vinny earlier, I feel I've worked here for a while, and I've worked plenty of your shows, and I feel like I don't even really know you. Like, when you <laughs> came in tonight to do this, I was like, you know, I love Josh, and I love his comedy, but I don't feel like I've really had a conversation with him ever. Yeah. And so uh, I was pumped to do this show tonight because of this. Well, yeah. I mean, I used to, I, we, I've certainly had many hangouts with the staff here over the years. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, Brian and I were talking today about some of the old ones of going to, like, somehow we all ended up at the casino together. And I'm teaching, <laughs> I'm teaching eight uh, of the servers how to play craps, <laughs> you know, and, and one girl... Uh, I, was t- I was telling Bidnick, I was like, I rem- I'll, I'll never forget this. One girl went to throw the dice at the end of the craps table, and they never landed. They they sailed over the other end of the craps table. And I was like, I've been playing this game for a decade, and I've never seen that happen <laughs> one say, time. I've never seen that ever. Yeah, I don't think that happens. And But, you know, that's a, like, this is a rare place, you know, and I'm not just saying it because you guys are here, but, like, I refer to Colleen as my comedy mom. I've and I know a lot of comics do that, but she has. I mean, that's there's no other way to describe her to anyone as other than my comedy mom. And yeah. so it's like, for as many times as she's had me here, like the the staff has probably. I mean, you guys might feel differently because you work here, but the probably the least amount of turnover, um, like when you compare to other no, clubs true. where oh, yeah, every time you're there, it's a completely different staff. And I think that speaks to the people who are in charge here of creating a good work environment and hiring quality people. But that's the kind of rooms that you look forward to coming back to because you you like to see the same people. I mean, you're not going to know anybody from the audience unless you know somebody in that town. So, like, the the staff is, like your family in that city. So when it's the same people, every time you come back, like that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people, a lot of comics that do talk about that with the, the lack of turnover here or the, that, you know, sometimes they'll come and they'll be like, Oh, who's still here? And like when they come through like the first couple of times, like, Oh, who's still here? And they're like, Oh shit. Everybody's still here. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a top down thing. I think within this company, because Columbus is the same way. Des Moines is the same way. You know, they're clubs that are run well and people want to work there and they want to stay there when they get the job. And it, it, it means a lot to the comics because that's how, that's how well run rooms are created because people are here long enough to figure it out. And so when you don't have to worry about people heckling or, you know, the room being seated properly or people complaining too much about, you know, their service or whatever. It's like, it makes for a better show for me. And you be, you, after you do it long enough, you, you don't even think about it, but you just know the rooms that are run better than others because of those things. And you want to work there more, which all seem like little tiny things, but in the end, it all makes all of this work. You know, hundred percent. Yep. A, a million percent. And this is the narrative we hear pretty much from everyone we've had yeah. on here is that, uh, you know, this is one of the best places to come. And it's, it's funny because, I mean, I mean, you you guys live here, but I'm, I don't know if all you guys are from here. But when you tell people like, you know, you're just having a casual conversation with somebody on an airplane or something, they find out you're competing. What are your favorite places to play? And when you say Omaha and Des Moines and Columbus, Ohio, they're like, what? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And you're like, they're like, not New York and L.A. Yeah. and Texas. And it matters more now than when I was, 
starting out, you know, like when you're 24 and single and not a care in a world and every hotel is nicer than your apartment <laughs> and you're in cities you've never been to, like you, you go anywhere, you'll take any gig, you know? Right. And now it's like, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have other things that other sources of income to where I don't have to do comedy. I do it cause I want to, and I'm not burnt out on it. So if I'm going to leave my house and my family and my children, I'm going to do it for places that I want to be at, you know? So if you see me working a few clubs a year, it's their places that I really want to go to. It's not cause I have to be there. Yep. I was going to say, you don't have to come here for sure, but you do. And uh, I'll come every time they'll have me. <laughs> and I heard you say it on Todd and Tyler this morning. That I think it's Tyler right at the end of the, the show. He said that, you know, this is your last gig for the year. Yep, and then you're gonna start booking. Oh, no, so shit. you're not working, oh, yeah. and all. I have a corporate gig that got booked yesterday uh -huh. in uh, in Vegas. Actually, I'm excited about it. But nice. It's oh, in nice. December, um, but it's not a show people can come to. Right. right. And um, I don't know. Maybe two two years ago, I stopped doing New Year's Eves. Nice. Um, and I was it was just weird, you know, for the first time in twenty years yeah. to be home I at bet. midnight on New Year's Eve because I'd spent. So many years of just like, I mean, I did New Year's Eve here. Yeah, yeah uh, not that long ago. That. And like this place was fun because I have friends here, you right. know. But if I'm in a city where I don't know anybody, you know, it's like, yeah, three, two, one, midnight, happy New Year, everybody. Right. And then everybody's going out, and you know, and I just go back to my room. Like I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me, but it's just yeah. like, you know, it's like it, if I don't have to do it, I can be home and like watch my kids like lose their minds at midnight, yeah. you know, Hell like. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I like it. I like having that option. And like I said, it keeps comedy fun, which for me, 23 years in, that's the most important thing. Like, I don't want to, that was why I started a t-shirt company in 2006 is because I'd met so many headliners when I first started that just, they hated, you know, they hated being on the road. They lived out of a suitcase. They had to take whatever work came from them because this is the only thing they knew. They didn't have relationships with their children or, you know, they were, they were um, like, I don't know. There's just nothing in their life was healthy because they just, all they knew was stand up. And, um, I just, I just never wanted to resent stand up for that, you know? Right. And so that's why I started the t-shirt company. Cause I didn't need it to be successful then, but I knew one day I'd probably be married and have kids. And if I didn't want to work for X amount of time and I didn't have to, you know, then I wouldn't get to the point where I felt like I was choosing one over the other that I, you know, that I, that I would grow to hate doing stand-up and i'm very blessed that I'd, i still love it this far into the game so earlier i was asked by uh chef brian to ask if you could get the uh, japanese baseball team license so that you we could print t-shirts <laughs> for those teams <laughs> we tried we actually tried to get uh the korean baseball uh league to to license us but it was like some crazy amount of money really a really weird process and it was because they were the for a while they were the only like mlb wasn't playing but korean baseball yes, was Do you right, remember yeah, that we talked they had, about like, that the stuffed earlier, animals yeah. in the stands and everything yeah yeah yeah, 
Yeah. Early so, pandemic, that was the first sports. We uh, talked about that earlier tonight. I was talking with Brian. That's the first sports that came back, and I would be up at 3 in the morning watching that shit. Like, <laughs> oh, it's so great. <laughs> it was great. It's so fun with, like, the bullpen cart and everything. Like, it's just. They had uh, cheerleaders there. There's yeah. no one in the stands, and they're cheering when I think I turned it on. I can't remember uh, what white dude from America. He hit back-to-back. <laughs> he hit a home run the inning before, and then they batted around. He hit a home run the next inning. I was like, oh, this is great. That's so cool. I, That's yeah, awesome. we're big fans. But uh, yeah, we did get MLB Players Association license That's awesome. last year, which was a shortened season. But this was the first year we really got to use it, and it was really fun because I'm such a baseball guy. It's the one sport where it doesn't have. I'm a diehard Reds fan, obviously. Yeah, I but see you on the, I see you posting Red stuff all yeah, the time. I worked for the. Excuse me, Bally Sports, the Reds broadcast group. Oh, really? Oh, really? That's awesome. Um, they hired me for uh, August and September, so basically the last two months of the season. They created a a trivia app, Bally Bally Trivia, mm-hmm. and um, we would go live at first pitch, and then we would not be off of the camera until the last out. Oh, really? And so. Every inning, every half inning, and in between the half innings, we would do three trivia questions, 30 questions throughout the night, three rounds of 10. There would be a prize for the winner of rounds one, two, and three, and then a, a really nice prize for whoever had the most points that night. And it was like autographed jerseys, and like it was really cool stuff. Wow. But it was a really nice production, but we were doing it five, five games a week. Wow. Um, so, you know, I was on camera for three and a half hours and we had to be set up in front of our computer for an hour and a half before the first pitch just to make sure everything was working. So 25 hours a week doing Reds games, uh, all of September and August, hopefully they're going to do it next year. I can't, I can't do that many games next year. (laughs) I'll lose my mind, but but it was really fun to like be like. You know, and and when we weren't doing the questions, we were like talking to live chat and you know telling stories. And you know, Danny Graves was one of my co-hosts, who's an all-time saves leader for the Reds. So he had really good baseball insight. And where every everyone was encouraged to watch the game on TV and then right. play the app while they were watching it. Right. So Which we could talk cool about second screen yeah. baseball. You know, like people that don't watch baseball or not into it, like you know. Uh, myself or you or Sean's not into it. This is a cool thing I feel like for them because it's entertainment along yeah. with watching the game. We had people on there that awesome. were not even that's they awesome. didn't even care about the game. Yeah, you know, and some did. So we would just reference something that would happen in the game. You know, take a couple questions from the chat, ask a couple trivia questions, and of course, like we would go off on tangents like we have tonight. You know, just like oh, that remi- I, you know, and Danny would be like, I played with that guy. You know, and um. I love doing it, but um, it was a, it was a, a lot. lot of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bit way more commitment than you were planning to give? Well, a little bit, but also it's like, dude, I'm working for the Reds. You know, it's Hell like yeah. kind of yeah. yeah. surreal. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm a diehard Braves fan, but. Uh, Congratulations by, to you. Thank you. Uh, Only in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, my whole life, but I'm also Indians and Reds fan because my mom has a place in Goodyear, Arizona, and she has oh, season yeah. tickets to spring training. Oh, yeah. So every year I have three sons. I've taken my sons for years to Reds, Indians, and it's always funny to me because I can always tell 
which team thinks they're they have a chance at winning a pennant because when we go there on St. Patrick's Day, one team will buy the green shit and the other team will not. Because <laughs> the Reds and Indians will always play on St. Patrick's Day. And there's been a few years where either the Indians or the Reds, they won't come out in the green stuff that you wear and it's like, oh, they've given up already. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's, it's, it's sadly true. Yeah. This was a this was an odd year that I didn't have a dog in the fight, but I was happy with either team that won, mostly because I, I really wanted to see Dusty Baker get a ring. I I do like him, um, but I but I'm just a I I really like the Braves. I like a lot of the guys on the Braves. I I was heartbroken for Acuna Jr. I we took we saw every game that they played in Cincinnati this year, and I told my son, oh, I was nice. like, watch this guy, because this is like, this is like the guy, you know." And Freddie Freeman is just like the best human and well and that's the craziest thing is they just want it i i uh went with my, me and my wife went to atlanta in like july and i fucking made a joke there like oh it'd be great if they went to the world series the year we saw them they were under 500 when we saw them yeah oh, i was shit. like there's no fucking chance they're gonna make it did you see the stat that came out today i want to find it go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt you I wanna, oh no I you're fine get this right though uh is it like the hank aaron one yeah is that, yes it's Super crazy because Hank Aaron passed away. Hank Aaron passed away this year, arguably the greatest Brave of all time, and and some would still consider the all-time home run leader if they don't count Barry Bonds, but that those people <laughs> are stupid. And I uh. think I have it in my head. Uh, they won 44 games before the break. They won 44 uh, before the All-Star break, which was Hank Aaron's number. Yeah, they yeah. won 44 games after the break, so their record was 88, which they were the team in the playoffs with the least amount of wins. And then they won the World Series on the 44th week of this year. Yep. Which is wow. insane. And the whole time, uh, my whole family's always, I grew up in Alabama, my whole family's Braves, is I was telling my mom, uh, I think after we beat the Brewers, I was like, there's something going on here, and it's more than just this baseball team because there's no reason that we should be in this position right now. Uh, and it's the whole, this fucking guy with the angels, the angels in the outfield. That's what it was, man. It was, uh, it was a crazy run for them. It's I, like only in baseball. It, exactly. And that's what makes baseball oh, so beautiful, the best. you know? Like we were talking about, um, it was, a, it was, I think it was like a month ago, the Jose Fernandez night in Miami. Do you remember oh. the first game after? So like Jose yes. Fernandez was a pitcher for the Marlins, young guy absolute stud just like can't miss watching him pitch like he was just next level guy yes it's super fun uh like spirited player and he he dies in a, a boat crash in miami and so they cancel the game like the next night or yes. two yep and then the the following night that they're gonna play and it's like a tribute night to him and d gordon, d. gordon yep who is like his best friend is who, up to bat first. Who weighs like maybe like 130 pounds. <laughs> like he never hits home runs. Never hit a home run. Like first pitch? Was it it was it early was, in the yeah, bat. It was very early in the bat. It's a home run. And is bawling his eyes out, oh, rounding sure. the bases. And it was like like that stuff only happens in, in baseball. baseball. Yes. Michael Lorenzen, pitcher for the Reds. He's a relief pitcher. Relief pitchers never bat because they're only in to face a couple batters and then the pinch hitter takes that spot and a different relief pitcher comes in the next inning. Michael Lorenzen, relief pitcher for the Reds, his dad passes away. He takes like two games off, says, um, you know, my dad would want me to pitch. 
comes back in in the circumstance in the game they were out of pitchers or something he had to bat hits a home run in his in his at bat as a red that's insane bawling that's his eyes crazy. out rounding the bases like that stuff only happens in baseball and it like the Tyler's uh with a pitcher for the Angels that oh yeah died. oh yeah um was it Skaggs yeah, yeah Skaggs. I think that's right yeah like something crazy got happened hit by like a the, drunk driver or something is yeah. or maybe he was drunk something uh, I'm like sorry that if I'm talking yeah. bad about him or no, whatever no 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 you know, it's something like it was one it of was those two things yes Yes. And on his tribute night, it was some weird numbers thing. Absolutely. Um, I, but that stuff only happens in baseball. But you're right. That's that's why baseball is the best. It's so, it's so awesome. Like, as a baseball fan, what's, like, your favorite – or, like, what memory sticks out to you the most, like, as a kid or, like, just as a baseball fan, like, that you experienced? I would say 1990 Reds winning the World Series is, mm-hmm. like – as a kid, you know, it was, like, so cool because it never happens ever for Cincinnati. It happened with the Big Red Machine, but I wasn't born yet. Um, but I have, like, dumb memories. That was what I loved about baseball was, like, the the love for baseball came from going to the game with my dad. So, same, like, same I couldn't tell you any game I went to as a kid if the Reds won or lost. I could tell you all the players that were on the team back then because I collected their baseball cards. But it was just like special, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, to go to a game. And so my love for baseball evolved from that. And I think that's why I like watching other teams besides the Reds play. I just love the game so much. Um but yeah, man. And then and then I've been lucky enough as an adult to see some really cool things. Like I was at the two thousand ten game when Jay Bruce hit a walk off home run to clinch the division for the first time in twenty years. I my phone didn't even have a camera. <laughs> like that's the kind of phone I had. So I had like a, a little Sony cam and um it was a it was the top of the ninth. It was tie ball game. And I and I was uh dating my wife at the time and I said uh I was like, I'm just gonna start recording just in case something cool happens. So I just start recording the game, second pitch driven over the center field wall, stadium loses their mind. I mean, it's the first time we've made the playoffs in 20 years. And I've got it. I got the whole thing recorded from my camera. I was at the 2015 home run derby in Cincinnati when Todd Frazier for the Reds won the home run derby in front of the hometown crowd. I mean, it's just like surreal to see it in person. So I've, I have as many memories as an adult <laughs> as I do when I was a kid of like specific moments yeah. of like I got to see it live. Have you had any conversations with first baseman Joey Votto? Because I yeah. know he loves to talk to the crowd the entire time. That's why he's the best. <laughs> he's the best. If you D- During spring training, it's the best because he'll just literally have a conversation with someone in the fr- front row, second row during the game. <laughs> yeah, he's so smart and uh, very witty, dry sense of humor. If you get a chance, um, have you seen that Letterman talk show on Netflix? The next needs no introduction or coming to the stage or something like that. Um, So he's done two or three seasons of it. And it's like, I mean, he's had Barack Obama and Jay-Z and like like Hmm. crazy, crazy names on there. And uh, at the end of season two, there's a special episode and it's Seinfeld and Letterman interviewing each other. (laughs) <laughs> and they have a whole conversation about Joey Votto. Oh, really? That is unbelievable really? <laughs> about their interactions with him while they were at games. And it's you got to go listen to it. I will I'll, never I will, do it justice sure. how good it is. 
but I met Joey when he was just, um, he's kind of socially awkward. And I only say that because I think he's, he's just shy. He's a bit introverted if he doesn't know you. And so we were at, they have this thing called Reds Fest every year that's in December. Um, that's like, you know, Comic-Con for Reds fans. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. They bring back old players. They have the current players. They have minor leaguers. And it's just everything Reds for like three days. And it's awesome. And so for a while, I was like hosting panels and stuff. And I got to just be backstage, you know, randomly. And um, I ended up in the green room with him when he was still pretty young, but already the guy. And we were just talking and he was just like real, like very, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Like that kind of thing to everybody. Oh, really? And so somehow we brought up Montreal. We talked about Montreal earlier and in Canada, Montreal is a huge deal. It's called the just for last festival, but up in Canada, there's a just for last channel and they, they have programming from the festival on that channel oh, year really? round. So it's not just like a couple of days to them. It's like a big, huge right. deal. Huh. So when he found out that I had done Just for Laughs, he kind of like opened up a little bit about how much he liked stand up. And we just had like this real cool conversation about it. But he is, he's the guy, he's the Acuna Jr. That, sure. that, my, that I tell my kid, whatever he does, do that. Right. Everything he does, do that. The way he talks to the media, the way he is fun but not silly all the time right. like he's just the perfect balance of like this is the dude you want to be right here he's a student of the game i mean he had this crazy season this year and he's right <laughs> he, 37 yeah. years old that's right yeah i always uh it's always very uh entertaining when we go to spring training i i picked him out right away from you know just knowing his name from being a good player but like tell the same thing you tell your kids tell them i can watch this guy yeah like watch what he does and like this is the guy you know i have yeah. one son that uh always loved baseball and was a baseball player and uh so he's he, joey Votto's one of the guys i'd be like this is the guy like you gotta model yourself off this guy because yeah He's just such an entertaining guy. Yeah, and my dad did that for me. To like go back to your question, so there were guys that my dad would say, "I want you to one day be able to say, I saw this dude." So right. he would take me like when Nolan Ryan was pitching for the Astros, and they'd come play the Reds, and he'd be like, "I want you to be able to say you saw Nolan Ryan pitch." And as a kid, you're like, "Oh, this is cool," but now it's like I'm Pete Rose. You know, yeah. so I remember I was in the bathtub and my dad comes in the bathroom, yanks me out of the bathtub, puts a towel around me, gives me, give me this little robe. And he sits me down in front of the TV because Pete was coming up to bat and he wanted me to be able to say that I saw him break Ty Cobb's record. And I remember sitting there. I was eight years old. That's fucking awesome. And I was dripping wet in a bathrobe <laughs> on the floor of our living room. And I saw Pete Rose break the all-time record. And my dad, he had the foresight of, like, I want you to be able to say you saw what happened. That's, that's crazy. That's so yeah. awesome. And now I think back to, like, when I was a kid, because I lived, uh, like, 15 minutes away from Anaheim, and my biggest memory was my brother took me to a game. They were playing the Mariners, and we were, like, second row in the outfield, and Griffey was right in front of there. And now that you're saying that, I'm like, I think he, like, because we were to get, like, shitty seats, but, like, he bought those specifically against yeah. the Mariners. Griffey's, like, right there. Now I'm like, 
oh shit, like yeah, that's why he probably did it on purpose, like just so I can have that story of I saw Griffey, I saw like him, in his prime, I saw him play in high school. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, he. Everybody was talking about him locally. I was younger, but um, he was in, he played for the school called Moeller, which is in this like the Greater Catholic League, which is the big Catholic high schools in Cincinnati that just like every every star athlete from those schools goes to Notre Dame and mm. like I mean it's it's crazy they're just institutions for professional athletes and there was one of those schools in my town where I grew up and for whatever reason the day that they played Moeller they used my high school's field for the game um and so everybody was like oh yeah Ken Griffey's son is plays for Moeller and he's like really good so he hit a home run. I think they use our field because their their field they didn't have a fence. It was just like it could oh. go for days. But we had really like a you know ours was like three thirteen down the line or whatever. Right. And um, he's the only he's the only high school kid I ever saw hit it over yeah. the fence. It's That's crazy. He's he's probably my favorite of all time. He was favorite player of all yeah. time. And Joey Votto is like one point one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, Griffey, uh, how stoked were you when he came back to Cincinnati? It was the greatest day ever. <laughs> I mean, he took a pay cut to come play for he the did. Reds. And, he, you know, he never was he never was his old self, but he still hit f- uh, 500 and 600 in a Reds uniform. I mean, people talk like he didn't do anything for the Reds, right. but he had over 100 home runs in a Reds uniform. They built Great American Ballpark for him with a short True. porch and right field. And, I mean, just to be able to see him whenever you wanted was, like, just surreal, you know? I mean, it's just, he's, like, incredible. That That swing is, like, the most beautiful thing ever. It's beautiful. I have uh, one Pete Rose story. It's not, it's a hearsay story. Uh, My buddy from high school, his wife was on a girl's trip in Chicago, and there must have been, like, a card show or something, and Pete Rose was there. And they walk by, and he's such an awesome dude. Um, my buddy's wife walked up to him and was like, um, hey, uh, my husband loves you, whatever. And he called, she called her husband and had my buddy talk to Pete Rose on the phone. The best part of the story, though, is before they had the call, uh, and, you know, it's all, we're probably in our mid-20s at this time. And so, you know, some cute girls coming up to him, and he's like, you, got, you girls want to see a picture of me as a baby? <laughs> And they were like, yeah. And he whips out a picture of a baby with, like, a grown man's cock on it. <laughs> 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 and they were like, what? Me oh. <laughs> as a baby. And she's like, will you call my husband? He's like, sure. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, I mean, it's comical that this joke would come out of Pete's mouth. But, um, you know, because he's such a, like, he signs every day at Caesars Palace. I mean, he's done every card show right. ever, you know, obviously, because... He's got to pay for things, and um, <laughs> he's got to pay for those vices. A few bills. Let him in. But him and Bob Feller, the pitcher for the Indians right. who passed away last year, I think. Yes. Bob Feller was like his biggest enemy at the Hall of Fame for the players in the Hall of Fame. Like he was the guy that would like, you know, basically champion to keep Pete out. Oh, really? Yeah, because of the gambling. Wow. And so him and Bob Feller hated each other. No shit. And so um, Bob Feller was notorious for showing up at car shows uninvited 
putting up his own table and just yelling out, I'm Bob Feller. I have uh, 500 wins and 3,000 3, strikeouts, Wait. and I'm in the Hall of Fame. Would uh, I'll be signing autographs over here. <laughs> so Bob Feller just shows up and plays. Oh, yeah, like, we just crash, crash baseball <laughs> card shows. This show. And Pete Rose, uh, they were going back and forth once, and Pete Rose said, uh, somebody asked him about <laughs> like memorabilia or whatever, and Pete Rose says, the rarest piece of baseball memorabilia is a baseball not signed by Bob Feller. <laughs> That's good. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> how did you get hooked up with the, how in the hell did you get hooked up with all the, with the reds and you know, like you're doing the app and I've seen you, you post stuff. Is it, was your t-shirt company that got you into this or how no, did you, it was, um, it was a while ago, probably like 11, 12 years ago. Um, Bronson Arroyo, pitcher for the Reds, yep. um, musician, and now he now he has a full band, but a uh, really good musician, played guitar. He was, um, on his off nights, he would do like random shows in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And uh, it became a big thing to go, you know, Bronson's playing somewhere. Let's go watch him. And so... Um, he started when he started doing these shows. His pitching kind of took a dive. <laughs> <laughs> and he would get he would get a little bit uh, criticized by Marty Brenneman, the Reds announcer, uh, that like, oh, it's you know he's staying out late, like playing these gigs, and now he's not pitching that great. Yeah. So the Reds Community Fund, their their charity, had set up a um, event at a theater that Bronson was going to play music and they were going to do the ticket money would go to the community fund. And they, someone had referred me to, uh, open the show. And so, um, I was set to open the show and then he started pitching real bad and was getting really criticized. <laughs> so they thought maybe we shouldn't hold like a full blown concert, um, and fuel these, you know, these statements about yeah. his music getting in the way of his pitching. So they canceled the show and felt really bad for me. So that was the first year they asked me if I wanted to do something at Reds Fest. And so that kind of got my foot in the door. And then um, I wrote this. It was right when <laughs> uh, it was when Dusty Baker was managing the Reds. And so I wrote this parody song of dust in the wind called dusty please win <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and i had a buddy of mine who knew how to play guitar come and play guitar and then i sang the song at reds fest and they're like oh you got to record this you got to record this so that's how it's on youtube that's how i got nick lachey to sing oh, nice. a duet with me for dust <laughs> Dusty please win. so the video's on youtube and uh I, before the video, before we shot the video, I would tell people like, "All right, listen to this and see if you can guess which one's me and which one's Nick." <laughs> <laughs> Are you like neck and neck? Is it, is it hard to tell? He just comes in and which? it's like perfect pitch and hitting every <laughs> note. I'm like, "We get it, dude." We get it. <laughs> but just over the years, and then I ended up becoming a board member for the Reds Community Fund, and um, <clears throat> Marty Brenneman does a, a golf outing every year. That's like the best golf outing in the city. It's like a two day event. People stay overnight at a casino and, um, they put on this huge show. And at one point they, they initially had me doing like opening for whatever 
musical guests that they brought in mm -hmm. and people were leaving after the comedy and they were like, let's <laughs> just do comedy. So like nine years ago, they switched to, it's a comedy show after the banquet dinner on, on the night nice. of the golf outing. Nice. And so I, I booked the comedians and, uh, you know, I've had Greg Warren do it, Pat McGann, Nate Bargatze, Kostaki, um, just some like, just really solid. Oh, Ralph yeah. Harris has done it. Um, and, uh, and so that's become like a big thing every year is like, who the, who the headliner is going to be for the comedy show at the golf outing and just stuff like that over the years, I've just gotten to know more and more people and I've become a bit more of a regular face around, around the stadium and knowing people in the front office and the broadcast team and former players and current players. And, you know, it's just like, there's always just something for me to do. And like, it's never not cool for me. Like I know, oh, yeah. I know you're supposed to act like you've been there, but it's, every time I get to do something like it's like, I mean, it's my team. You yeah. Know? It's, oh it's yeah. Fucking for awesome. sure. Yeah. And Cause I see you post shit on Facebook all the time and you're, you're always, you know, ecstatic looking in those pictures and you're <laughs> always, I mean, there's always something. And I was just like, man, how's he getting to do all this really cool shit? Yeah. It's just a foot in the door a long time ago. And over time they've just trusted me to like not embarrass them you know, not, right. not bag on the team and even in their worst years or bag on the people in charge or, or players, you know, I just, I, cause I can, because I'm a fan, I can talk funny without being degrading to anybody. Right. And, um, and I think they just, they trust me cause I don't think that's something that you can, especially with the way social media is now, like the wrong person saying the wrong thing that, at yes. a official Reds event gets on, goes viral on Twitter. Like that's gonna, there's a lot more than just like, you're not working for us again. Like there's real right, repercussions yes. to that. I mean, we've seen it with their broadcasters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. I was going to say there's a little so recent event. Wasn't yeah. there? <laughs> yeah. So for that reason, I think they just trust me. And, um, when it came time for Bally sports to do this, this thing, I've, I found, I, that's what I asked them. I was like, how, how did you get me? And they said, um, people at the Reds said that you're the first person we should call for this, which nice. has meant a lot to me. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, I guess we're getting kind of long. Yeah. Long here. Uh, Where are we I just at? wanted to ask. An uh, hour 37. Oh, nice, man. Yeah. I wanted to uh, just ask real quick before we get out. Skyline Chili. Yeah. Pretty shitty, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like fan. the cinnamon. No, I'm from the South. I like spicy chili. I don't like the cinnamon. You can't, th you can't compare it to that chili. You can't. It's, it's right. more of a it's soup. A, it's, a it's a Greek. Yes. You know, it's... Um, My stepdad, big into Skyline Chili, and I'm not going to lie, every time I go there and he listens to this, how I get you? pissed when I go there. <laughs> how, did you, how did you have it when you had it? I've had it uh, on the noodles, the three-way. I've had it on the noodles. Um, so for people who are my, listening who don't know, it's like a soupy, it's called chili, but it's more like a Greek soup. And it's a, it's a meat soup that, you know, it's made with cinnamon and chocolate. And it's very like, sweet. Yeah, it's a sweet 
Yeah, that's Sean. Yeah. <laughs> and buy it in a store or is it a restaurant? It's a no, restaurant. It's a everywhere. It's a, yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of different spring training. You can get them, you yeah. know, on okay. chili dogs. So I've had yeah. it on a chili dog, which okay. I don't like that's at all. That's my favorite. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 <laughs> You're allowed. No. It's, no, it's, it's good. I know a lot. It's a conversation I want to have. Yeah. <laughs> my stepdad also makes it at home. He's a big Skyline chili guy, yeah. and uh, he does the noodles and stuff. And I'm not. This is. And this just goes back to uh, I'm not very flexible, and I grew up, like I said, in Alabama, and my chili's always been spicy. So yeah. when I went there and had Skyline Chili for the first time, I'm like, what the fuck is this yeah. shit? <laughs> you can't really think sweet. of it as a, ch- a comparison it, to a chili. And this is a, a good thing is I've never been told it's not a chili. It's more of a meat soup. Yeah, it, it is It is because it's very liquidy, right? It is. So it's served yes. two ways in Cincinnati typically. So there is what's called a three-way, which is spaghetti noodles, Okay. chili and and shredded cheddar cheese on yes. top. Yep. And that's called a three-way. If you add beans or onions, it's a four-way, and if you add both it's a five-way. Okay. Okay. Um and then the other way it's served on on hot dog, chili, you can get onions or mustard, cheese on the top, cheese coney. Um but yeah, people it's it's a love-hate thing. It's part of the culture there. I get it, you know? Like I go to Pittsburgh I'm not a fan of the French fries on sandwiches, you know. Um, <laughs> I go to Canada. I look like the poster child for someone who would like gravy and cheese on French fries. <laughs> not a fan. You, can, you look like you might be an advertisement, but uh, not yeah, so much. Right. So I don't ever, you know, it's one of those things that if people like it, they love it. And if they don't like it, they hate it. That's fair. Fair enough. But if I, you uh, want to try it, you can find it at a lot of if you live somewhere that has a Kroger. Yeah. Um they typically have it in Kroger in cans. Okay. But just give it a try. Put it on put it on a hot dog and some shredded cheddar cheese on top and see what you think of it. Skyline chili. Yeah. I'm going to have to check this out. Hey, by the way, Davis, you are very flexible. <laughs> <laughs> Says you. <laughs> Man, dude, this has been so much fun. It's for real. I appreciate oh, yeah. you guys having me on. Thank you so I, much for doing this, man. Uh, Anytime. Absolutely. I've told every story I've ever had now, so <laughs> <laughs> No, it's uh it's fun. Like I said, it it uh you it's always fun to see the same faces when you come back and you know, Vinny, like we you know, we've been buddies for a long time. Oh yeah. Um yeah, it's uh, being complimented by the people that work at a comedy club is the best compliment that a, that a comedian can get. I'll, I've said it forever, and I mean it. So I appreciate you guys. Well, you're one of the best, man, and we're we're happy that you came and sat down with us. Yeah, and my pleasure. Good show tonight, and uh, this was fun. Yeah, it was a great show. I, 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 I've like I said before earlier, I was looking forward to this, and I was not disappointed. I oh, good. Heard lots of uh, that'd be really stuff. weird. I know. Right? Talk <laughs> me up like that, and then after this, you're like, you're not, like after I spent some time with him, <laughs> yeah. not a fan. You know, he's he's great. He's great in little doses. He's great on stage, but. Uh, an hour and a half is a bit much. <laughs> I look for the episode to come out. It's just like the intro and the goodbye. It's like it's like four minutes long. I was like, dude, we recorded for like two hours. <laughs> oh, man. I appreciate you guys. Thank uh, you. Thanks, Josh, again. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Subscribe. YouTube. Yeah. 
all the other social medias. Email. Like, like subscribe, email. Doorguyspod at yahoo.com. We, we still got that Yahoo address. Yes, we have, we have a few emails. We'll, we'll get to those uh, when we have Oh, we got uh, some new ones? Uh, we have the uh, a couple of them. We'll all get right. to them when we get just door guys. Fuck yeah. All right, Sean, you got Sean's, a song for Sean, us? This is Sean's song. All right, He's going to play it. us out. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you. This song is called Poo Poo Wee Wee Bumba. Right. Poo Poo Wee Wee Bumba. Poo Poo.